we are having a great day here up in North Jersey. We are celebrating International Podcasting Day. I've got a bunch of fifth graders today that later on are going to be learning how to do podcasts, learning how to broadcast, and we are absolutely excited. I uh, want to show off. Everybody have their oh, t-shirts nice. on today. Awesome. Absolutely. Yes. And uh, saw a lot of people wearing their t-shirts at uh, Podcast Mid-Atlantic a few weeks ago. So that was really neat to see everybody going on there. So anyway, um, I think we might be waiting for a few more people. But, uh, you know, Jeff, you and I have been working together for 100 episodes on the Tech Educator podcast. And I was thinking about this on the way in today. The whole landscape of educational podcasting has absolutely changed over the last four years that we've been doing this. How, how long have you been podcasting? You know, Jeff, uh, when we first started talking was when you were kicking off TeacherCast. And uh, I think you were kind of my inspiration to start a podcast of my own. And so uh-huh. I would say just slightly shorter than, uh, than you have, just because what I saw you putting together was really great stuff for educators. And I was hoping mm-hmm. to be able to do the same thing. So I would say that we, you kind of kicked us off and I followed suit and it's been, it's been a great, you know, three and a half years. It's been awesome. And I remember, cause I, I was thinking about this yesterday where I'm writing an article that is going to get picked up by the uh, ASCD blog and all about it, about educational podcasting. And when we started this three, four years ago, there was podcasts, of course, but there certainly wasn't teachers doing podcasts. You had a lot of the big names doing this. You had, you know, companies and things like that. But this was before Google Hangouts came out. This was before Skype video really took off. And there's been a lot that has changed. And we say that, you know, podcasting is professional learning. We say that podcast is like a big PD conference that is personalized learning. Um, how did you get started in all of this stuff? And, and what do you get out of podcasts, even now, three years later, being a podcast host yourself of multiple shows? Yeah, you know, how I got started was kind of interesting. I was a classroom teacher and then ultimately was a media director in our high school. And I found that there was a lot of lacking information for teachers that wanted to use technology and wanted to stay informed. And I found myself having to do a lot of research in order to be able to share information with um, our teachers that really wanted to do that stuff. And as I started putting together a website, it was actually kind of interesting. My website came first. I Mm -hmm. developed instructional tech talk to be able to share information with as many teachers that wanted to see it, it was just short articles about how to effectively use technology in your classroom. And from there, I realized that the avenue existed to be able to utilize podcasting to take some of that information, have awesome conversations with uh, either educators or companies that are making products for education. Uh, I've had great conversations with Skype and Microsoft and, um, you know, a lot of thing link and just, you know, those great companies that are doing awesome stuff for us in the classroom. And I think that that kind of progression of understanding that teachers need additional pointed professional development and taking that concept and using any avenue available to be able to share information. So that's kind of how I got into podcasting because it's a medium that I think educators are really starting to understand. And and it's an avenue that is being easier now more than ever used in the classroom. You know, one of my shows is educational podcasting today. And I always ask the question of my guests, can you podcast for free? And we always seem to find that answer. I mean, 
using this, you can create a podcast. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I, this is even before we're looking at you know the periscopes and the blabs and stuff like that. Can you do this for free? Absolutely. You know, today we're going to work with our fifth graders on podcasting for free. Yes, we're going to talk about microphones and all these other things, and I'll show them all the toys that we brought with us. But the ability right. for students to get involved in this medium and this, the ability for students to start making this medium is amazing. We have a very, very live chat, Jeff, here. If anybody has any questions about things that they can do with their students in podcasting or, you know, maybe you're a teacher out there and you want to get interested in that stuff, um, please feel free to write. Um, I want to give a big shout out to a few of our friends. I see, uh, you know, Troy is here. I see Mr. Nessie is here. I, I see Jim is here. So I'm very, very excited to see everybody here today. Um, but Jim, uh, sorry, Jeff, what yeah. is it about podcasting that draws children into this medium? Teachers are using it more and more to flip their classroom. Yeah, and well, I think that's that's the thing. It doesn't have to be something that's created even in the building. Uh, everyone has a podcasting device, and that's right. what's so cool, Jeff. It's exactly what you just said a few minutes ago. If you have a smartphone, uh, you have a podcasting device. If you have a laptop, you have a podcasting device. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to look at podcasting in the traditional sense that we're putting together a feed in order to get it in iTunes. We can consider podcasting, uploading to SoundCloud and sharing the link. We can look at uh, uploading that to YouTube and sharing the link to that as well. And I think that that's one of the biggest changes that we've talked about um, over the past couple of years here, Jeff, where when I first got into podcasting and probably you too, podcasts existed in essentially the iTunes, <laughs> in, in the iTunes realm. And I think Stitcher was just out then too. And so that was kind of you share your RSS feed and that's what your podcast is. So I think that we've kind of revolutionized that, not you and me, but the educators and podcasters in general to really broaden that understanding of what podcasting is. So that's what I think is really important is knowing that anyone can be a podcaster. And I think that's why it appeals to students and teachers as well, because it's so easy to create a recording, so easy to share a recording and you can, it's authentic. You can share it out there. You know that what you're sharing could be listened by, you know, five people or 10,000 people. And that's what I think kind of gets students thinking about the quality of work they're creating because they know that it could take off and be something that is large scale. And, you know, you didn't even mention the the big podcaster that people hardly ever talk about. There's so many free Chrome extensions that record audio. And then that goes directly into your Google Drive. And then you can use something like Wii Video or Movie Editor or something to that effect. And you can have your, your classrooms creating high-quality podcasts absolutely free. Right. And we did a show about that. Man, that seems like a long time ago. Maybe it was a long <laughs> time ago. I don't know. But um, at this point. Yeah, right. And, it, you know, it was fun to really pick apart any, both of our different setups, right? So, you know, we have dedicated microphones, we have software to be able to do things because we do it a little bit more regularly. We right. find that those are tools that make our life just a little bit easier. But I remember we picked apart each of our setups and realized that, you know, if we stripped everything but just the laptop or just the smartphone, we'd still be able to put out a pretty quality podcast without much work. And I think that that's really the big takeaway for people that are interested in getting into podcasting now in an educational setting. It really doesn't take a lot to get good results and get the point across for students to be able to create authentic media. One of the questions that I get asked a lot, and, and, and tell me if you do too, is how do you create a solid show? 
because you're one of those shows that when I listen to it, I can see a beginning, a middle, and an end, and there's there's definitely a flow. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that create podcasts that just start, and it's like free form all the way down. And some of those shows are amazing. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking at it from a teaching point of view, I look at a podcast as a lesson plan, right? You have your anticipatory set. You have what are we going to talk about? You've got two or three bullet points, and then you have your closing. That's how I approach all the shows that I do. I look at it as a lesson plan. How do you approach your shows? Because you've got a one-person show. You've got a show that we do on Sunday nights, The Tech Educator, which is you know a group of us doing demos. And then you've also got your show, which you're now doing with another podcaster, John Samuelson, which is two guys and some microphones. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think that each setup looks a little bit different. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I'll kind of take you through and I want to hear about how you set up yours as well, more than just a lesson plan. But um, I would say for my individual short form show where it's, you know, eight to 10 minutes long and we're talking about a specific tool, there's, you know, your brief intro. It's, it's very much when you're either with yourself or one other person, it teaches narrative writing. And that's what's so cool is that you can take what we're teaching kids in the classroom about, you know, our main, main idea, evidence, link, and you can revert that back to podcasting because I'll talk about holistically what this tool is and why it's changing education. I'll give you evidence of that by either bringing in someone that has recently used it in the classroom to tell you about it and how they used it. And I'll link it back to multiple different avenues like English, social studies, science, whatever it may be, to give people at least a perspective of how that's con- how that can be used in multiple different settings. So I think in that respect, it's like writing a narrative with one other person you kind of divvy up your, you get your intros, your, Hey, how are you? It's been a long time. You kind of set up that uh, relationship type piece with not only the other person that you're podcasting with, but with your audience as well. And then you build off each other's strengths. You can have someone that has experienced X in the past week. They talk about that. You ask questions, go back and forth a little bit, and then you can swap roles and have you share something that is really important to you or that you've experienced over the week have that other person ask you questions, go back and forth, kind of do a recap at the end and conclude it out. And I think both of them have their absolute merits. And I think that both of them are different styles that we really need to teach students um, how to actually participate in something like that, because I think that that's kind of the wave of the future. Now, Jeff, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that our show, when we have as much as you know five people or five hosts present on the show itself, we each take different roles. You know, one week I might be presenting or you might be presenting our kind of webinar style where we're going through a specific topic in great detail. We have someone on Twitter managing that conversation. We have someone on the chat on the website itself managing that conversation. We have someone there ready to ask questions to kind of, you know, further that discussion a little bit. Everyone kind of has the role and I think it depends on who's kind of on live that night. So I think it's really important to keep keep those different perspectives in mind. And that's so huge to be able to teach students that too. The, the idea of no one person has to dominate the conversation really does bring into social skills, especially when we're talking with kids. You know, you can't be a mic hog. You can't be a screen hog. You have to be able to, to take care of all these things. I wanted to ask you about getting people involved in podcasting. I know you and I both work with ed tech companies, and it's easy to get the, you know, what we call the connected educator, somebody who's already out there to be on your show. What experience do you have or what advice do you give somebody if you go up to a random teacher who is really doing awesome things and you're like, come on my show, 
And then the teacher's like, oh, I've got nothing to talk about. I don't know if I can do this. I'm nervous. What, how do you bring up the concept or how do you ease somebody into being a guest or, or understanding what a podcast is? So in my perspective, I like to start with people's strengths and show them that they can be successful on a show by uh, speaking to what they are knowledgeable about and comfortable talking about. And so to be perfectly honest, I use Twitter a lot for that and people that speak at conferences. Now, the people that speak at conferences are typically the people that are more willing to share out, but I'll randomly approach people on Twitter because I've seen them post a link back to their blog that talks all about, you know, I did a great podcast not too long ago. I guess it's been a while at this point with Stu Karoff, and he is the faculty advisor to the Asian Penguins, which is a middle school Linux computer user group that does a lot of community <laughs> service. And we, we have to tell Sam about that one. Oh, my gosh. And th- so they work, they get donations from companies of old computers that they refurbish to run Linux and then donate it to either students in the building that do not have technology or senior citizens that also don't have technology or need hmm. updates. And so... What an awesome setup, right? So I found Stu through a link that he shared back to his um, to his website about the Asian penguins and said, hey, this is something that's really cool that you're doing. And I would love to share this on my show. And he's like, are you serious? That's that's really cool. But, you know, kind of that little bit of hesitancy. I'm like, all I want you to do is come on. I'll have a lot of questions ready for you all about the Asian penguins and what you guys are doing. You're just going to be recounting what it is that you would do on a typical club meeting. Right. And we came on and he was a rock star. He just totally nailed that interview. And he was so excited to talk about it. And every once in a while, he checks in with me still and says, Hey, how many listens has the Asian penguins gotten? And every time he's like, I cannot believe that it's gotten that you know wide of a breadth. And I think it's really empowering. So I use Twitter and I use people's strengths. And I think that that's a really good way to get people on and have them feel comfortable about what we're doing. Well, what about when you're working with organizations? I mean, I'm right now consulting with a few organizations who want to start a podcast or are thinking about starting a podcast, but at the same time, you know, they're new to the medium. They don't understand some things. I'm trying to get them to brainstorm. They want me to give them, you know, give me the outline for what we're going to talk about. And I'm sitting there going, we're just going to have a conversation. How do you bring the idea of podcasting into a corporate culture yeah and i think that's that's what um is that manson twit there Mm -hmm. something like that he was talking about or she sorry uh with how do you bring it back in and make it relevant and so i as educational podcasts on more larger scale platforms like um npr does a lot on this american life with education um some more recognizable to Uh, platforms to people that aren't familiar with educational podcasting. I try and share those out. I'm a principal of a middle school and I'll share those out in my weekly updates that I send to my staff, just a link to it and say, Hey, this is a really great educational podcast about, you know, struggling students and test scores and share it out just to kind of get people familiar with the platform on something that they've probably heard of before. A lot of people have heard of NPR. So then after I do that a few times, I start sneaking in some of the, uh, shows that I am very familiar with that involve educational technology or just good pedagogy and strategy and share it that way too. So I try and kind of do a staged approach where you share information and links to things that are relevant that people have probably heard of before, but maybe introducing a new platform. 
and mm-hmm. then also start giving in some of those uh, links to shows that are, you know, a little bit lesser known on lesser known platforms. But once they get into it, it's like falling in the rabbit hole where you're, where you're just hooked. So I've been able to have a great um, a great conversation with a lot of teachers that have really jumped into podcasting because of that. So we have a very active chat room over here. And before we get any further, Jeff, I do want to just say here that International Podcasting Day would like to thank our platinum sponsors, Podcasters Paradise, our gold sponsors, Appendipity, which is an amazing company. I met them a couple weeks ago, and Spreaker, and our silver sponsors, Simple Podcast Press, Ringer, and Scatter Radio. Without their support, International Podcast Day would not be possible. Find all the information and special discount codes for these sponsors over at internationalpodcastday.com slash supporters. Now, when we're talking about supporters, keeping in mind that we do have a very active chat room, I thought it would be appropriate that we might be able to get this chat room going. And the best way to get the chat room going, I think, is to ask you the simple question, Jeff, what microphone do you use? <laughs> I use the uh, ATR2100. It's the easiest mic that I've found with high quality as well to be able to be portable. It can hook up to my uh, my mixer at home through XLR, but as I'm at work right now, I did not wait, feel the wait, need wait to. Wait a minute. You, you hook your, your microphone into a mixer? Jeff, what mixer do you use? <laughs> I use a Behringer, and I can't remember. It's the six-port one. I can't. It's not the twelve-port. I can't remember the exact name of it. Uh, but it's. I think it's the one you use, Jeff. So you probably remember the name of it off the top of your head. Um, one of the ones I use. <laughs> I just find that I can have a little bit easier of a recording um, system. I use an external recorder as well, and mm-hmm. it's just. Wait, wait a minute. You a use an external like, recorder. Which external recorder do you use? <laughs> I have a Sony right now, but I've also <laughs> moved back and forth between the Roland. Uh, is that the PR40? Um, okay. Which is a great recorder too. So I love that. You just these leading questions, Jeff. How about you? What's, what's your equipment set up there? <laughs> well, I, I have a phone. No, no, no. Um, I, my studio at home, I use the AT2005 USBs. I've got a bunch of those. I think they're fantastic. I haven't actually tried the 2001s. Um, but I, I, I love the 2005s. That was actually a, uh, a, a suggestion from a good friend, Mike Phillips, a few weeks ago, or a few years ago at this point, actually. Um, I have three Behringer mixers. I think it's the 802, 1202, and the 18-something. Um, the one that I have currently set into my home studio is the 18, because I've got a bunch of stuff here. Um, over here, I think I have the 1202 plugged in. Um, I love my, my Heil boom arm which I really like using um, in my studio. I'm, I'm, I'm really missing it right now, actually. Look at the chat fly. And, um, you know, we do all of our recordings here through Google Hangouts, and, you know, we record our shows through Wirecast. And I love using Wirecast. Um, plug. And so I, I, you said you keep all your recordings on, on your extra recorder. Do you do your stuff through Google Hangouts? Do you do your stuff through Skype? What's your main vehicle for bringing in a guest? Uh, either Skype or Google Hangouts. I've had good success with both. Um, if I think probably more so lately than in the past, I've been using uh, Google Hangouts just because I think it's becoming more of a widespread tool that people are familiar with that 
aren't necessarily techie. So it kind of goes back to your earlier conversation. How do you bring people in and make them feel comfortable? You use a platform that they're familiar with. I think a lot Mm -hmm. of seasoned podcasters are still using Skype because it's what was around when we started bringing guests into shows. Um, But I think a lot of the people now aren't that familiar with Skype because Google has really taken over that space. So um, just a thought. I I do want to do a quick plug here if I can. And and this is completely, nobody asked me to do this, but I get an email a few times a week because people sometimes ask me, and I'm sure they ask you about equipment. Where do you find equipment? Where do you get best deals? Daniel J. Lewis, who is on this channel, chat right now has an amazing system of alerting people to when things go on sale. So Daniel, want to say thank you and big shout out to that. But Daniel is always, always on top of when things drop down in price. And so if you are out there looking for new microphones, new mixers, new whatever, definitely check that out. In fact, I will even say, Daniel, we have to do... Recently, Daniel put out a thing saying that the Logitech C920s were at 50 bucks. And I accidentally clicked the link a day after, and they were back up to 79 bucks. And I really wanted to buy a few of those. So we check out Daniel's site. He's doing a great job at alerting podcasters to when things are going on. Awesome. Um, yeah, Mr. Mr. Nessie, who is one of our co-hosts on Tech Educator, and also I think he does a show called The House of Ed Tech, wants <laughs> to know something about Periscope Out. What What is that? Yeah, Periscope Out is uh, something that Todd Nesloni and I put together about oh, a month or two ago now. And the whole idea was that he lives down in Texas. I'm in Illinois. And we both changed schools recently. And we wanted to check out each other's spaces. And we're like, oh, man, it'd be great. Maybe I'll, come, I'll have to come down to Texas sometime, which is completely impractical, right? Uh, so we're like, hey, let's just Periscope each other's buildings. And we can kind of get an idea of how you do things, how we do things, and get some ideas, which kind of snowballed into this idea that man, this is a great opportunity for us to be able to share spaces with people around the world. And uh, Periscope Out was born. So we use the app Periscope and you kind of scope out as a fun play on words where we wanted to scope out spaces. So on August 6th of um, this year, our first Periscope Out was born. We had over 30 buildings represented and uh they were across the world. So we had someone in Hong Kong. We had someone in the Netherlands. We had then just a slew of great educators from the States and in Canada sharing their spaces and giving us tours of our building. And I think a lot of people got some great ideas about what to do in their building. If they were looking for ideas about maker spaces or what to do with their libraries or whatever that may be, that we got just so much positive feedback that we are going to continue the Periscope out. And we are going to be doing that again October 6th. And we're focusing on libraries this time. So we did our kind of general beginning of the year. Hey, share, let's let's walk your building. But now we're going to be looking at more specific spaces. Um, we're focusing on libraries, school libraries, this upcoming one. Uh, if you want more information, you go to periscopeout.com. But the idea is you get 10 minutes and you're scheduled into a time slot and mm-hmm. people just follow the Periscope Out hashtag all day for uh, all the live feeds that come up. So it's a really fun time. I got some great participation and it was really, really interesting to see how people set up their spaces and do things in different ways. So our hope is that people are able to take out some uh, take away some information about what they can do to be successful in their own buildings as well. Nice. That's yeah, really cool. And, and you, you take something that technically is free and you turn it into this learning experience or this community event. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's just education, but we have this term PLN personal learning network or, mm-hmm. per, you know, 
these ways just to get people together. I mean, right now, us here talking about podcasting is professional and personal learning for us. That's really, really cool that you guys are doing that stuff. Yeah. And I, you know, Chris was talking about how, you know, you can transition this into podcasting as well. And that's exactly right. I know that Todd and I have talked about starting a Periscope Out podcast that would run the evening of the podcast or Periscope Out so that we can kind of rehash and relive some of the awesome things that we saw during the day and then put that out for people so that if they happen to miss it, uh, they can kind of at least get a gist of what was talked about, what was discussed and what was some of the hot things of the day. So that's kind of how you, you, you bring it back into podcasting is that you kind of just have to be creative about the things that you're doing around your building and how you can build podcasts around it. I think that that is a, a media that will really be taking off and sharing, you know, news with parents. And I'm working on a podcast for my building that has, entirely student voice it's students sharing the news where i would have probably hacked that away into a newsletter and sent that out newsletters are dead either use your blog or start podcasting or record it or something uh just get people more involved that way because i think people really want it so let's see if we can switch topics again here and (laughs) we have a situation in our school where we are interested in creating a in our high school, a media center, a broadcasting studio, if you will. And I'm asking you, Jeff, just as much as I'm asking everybody here in the chat room, but right now we have a few iMacs. We do have a TriCaster, but it's looking to be you know, revamped. It's, it's a little old, doesn't have HD capabilities. We do have a, a relatively decent green screen with some light set up, but if, if money was no object, Jeff, and you were creating a broadcasting podcasting room in your school, what suggestions would you have? And maybe we can keep our eyes over here on the uh, chat and get some advice on everybody. We're looking for cameras set up. We're looking for tripods. We're looking for where would you start? How would you do this? And, um, you know, why? tell us a little bit about why you make those decisions. Yeah, I think that that's, that's a great question, Jeff, and one that I'm definitely going to have to, aid in the support of the people in the chat and yourself, because Jeff, I know that uh, you're really in tune with some of the more technological components of setting up a broadcasting studio. So I'm probably going to just throw it right back at you and ask you, but you know, I think just general things to think about are yes, the cameras, adequate lighting. Um, You know, I was lucky that I put a lamp in my room in my office where it is right now. Otherwise you'd probably be getting a very shaded version of me because I hate fluorescent lights and will never use them. So I have lamps strategically placed throughout my office, but lighting is a very huge component when you're putting together a video recording studio. You want to throw in that wall, that green screen wall. I think that that opens up a lot of potential and opportunity. Um, So, you know, Jeff, what are some of the specific technological components that you would bring in, whether it is a kind of camera or, you know, that kind of stuff? Give me a little bit of a conversation about that. And that's a good question because there's so many ways that we can go about doing this and that I've seen people going about doing this. I've seen everything from, and I, I don't remember model numbers, but you can get a really decent Sony camcorder for $999, $1,100, somewhere in that range there. And, you, you know, you can get a few of those, plug them into Wirecast, get a couple of those black magic boxes, and, you know, you can do it easily that way. Or you can get a single computer with Wirecast, and because Wirecast runs IP cameras, you can have all your iPads in the room, and your iPads can now act as remote cameras and such like that. Um 
there's a lot of different ways depending on the budget, depending on how things are going. Um, you know, there's a lot of different possibilities. Do you need to have $5,000 Sony cameras? No. Would it be nice? Of course it would be. Um, oh, Jeff just left. I wonder what the situation with that is. But, hey, this is now the single Jeff show. Um, so, yeah, anyway, like looking at building things, we don't have to necessarily go up to buy, you know, $5,000 cameras. We can do it with with iPads. I, I don't know how many of you guys use iPads as your primary camera. I know in my studio at home, I have a metal arm that comes out of the back of my iMac and I have a iPad mount on there. And actually while I'm running my studio, I actually have Periscope on that. So I've got one more place to share what's going on inside of the studio here. Ooh, Daniel's throwing some great links out there. We have a few guests that just came into our room today. Maybe that maybe the guest wants to come over and say hi. I'm not sure. Guest guest is a little bit nervous. Guest is being lovely. These are things that happened in the school. This is one of my new principals. Say hello, everybody, to my new principal. She's wonderful. Hi. I'm helping her this year build a amazing video STEM tech lab everything. So what we're doing right now is we're getting ideas for what to put in there, and I'm getting links from the world. Awesome. This is what we do. Awesome. Um, so I don't know where Jeff is, but this is called riffing. And Jeff just texted me to say his connection dropped. Uh, Daniel, do you want to come on in and talk about this? Can we get a few other guests on here? Anybody that wants to that wants to jump in here? Daniel, how are you? Very well. Happy International Podcast Day. We're trending internationally on Twitter right now. That is awesome. By the way, that is a lovely t-shirt that you have there. <laughs> yes. I All right, I'm going to take a moment right now. We're not going to talk about podcasting for a second. I'm going to go off topic. Daniel, season 5, episode 1, what did you think? <laughs> Once upon a time. That's what we're talking we're, about. We're, we're going we're gonna to change the topic right now so I can tell my wife that I was officially on the Once Upon a Time podcast. Daniel, <laughs> what did you think? I really liked it. I'll stop with that. Uh, I yeah. loved it. Once Upon a Time returned last Sunday. And um, the more I thought about it, the more I think this was probably the best season premiere since the yes. first season. I really liked yes. season three, but the premiere episode of season three wasn't the best episode of that season. Uh, but this, I think, yeah, best season opener for once upon a time there's a lot of cool stuff happening with once upon a time but also it makes me a little sad that there's so much cool stuff because i really think this might be the last season i was thinking that too i'll tell you i was a little disappointed when i saw some of the dwarves walk into the house and when they landed in the enchanted forest nobody's paying attention to this when they landed into the enchanted forest they didn't have their dwarf hats on and stuff i was so hoping to get the dock glasses and the grumpy pick and stuff like that i was a little bummed out about that but my goodness what a great episode we had brave you had wizard of oz you had you had snow white you had all of these things going on here it was awesome oh yeah yeah i'm i'm excited for this and we've got that podcast over at oncepodcast.com if anyone wants to check that out daniel we were talking a little bit about equipment and and if money was no object and you were asked to come into a school and build a broadcasting thing, what would you suggest? What would you go for? And when I say money is no object, I mean, look, you know, $50,000 is a little out of the question, but, but think about it for students. What would you go with? What would you suggest? I would probably be going with a system like a TriCaster and uh, LED flat panel lights, um, Camcorders, probably Canon camcorders would work really well, like the uh, Vixia GH20, I think, or G, G, 
I can't remember the exact model number, but it's a, it's an HD uh, 1080p camcorder that's now in the range of somewhere around $500 to $700 each, I believe. Uh, those are really versatile. They're not like the, the full power of something like a DSLR or Canon's professional lines of cameras. Uh, but if you wanted to do 4K, I would recommend some Sony A7 cameras, either the A7S or the A7S II uh, gives you some great quality from those in 4K and great full frame sensors and everything for really high quality video. And then that all going into a TriCaster for being able to live switch your video back and forth. And uh, mm-hmm. you could live stream then uh, through a computer or through like the live streaming box or um, video, uh, which is spelled, I think it's V-D-E-O or something like that, uh, has mm-hmm. a really cool streaming and even video switching box too that's uh, much more affordable than a TriCaster, smaller. But we're still talking expensive things here. When you're talking TriCaster, I know there's a price tag to that. What kind of a price tag are you thinking about when you say TriCaster? Because it is, a, it is a price tag on there, right? $5,000. Somewhere in that okay. range. 3000 5000 I think they offer educational discounts, so that's a possibility. Actually, most places, if you call them and say, we're an educational institution, can we get a mm-hmm. discount? Most places will give you good discounts. Nice. Very, very cool. Um, since we were going through, and I know you're throwing some links, tell us a little bit about your start to podcasting here. How did you get involved? How did you get started? It started- How did you become the ramen noodle? <laughs> it started with listening to podcasts. When iTunes started supporting podcasts, that's when it caught my attention because one of my coworkers, who was an Apple fanboy, said, oh, this is amazing that iTunes is bringing in podcasts and Apple is bringing attention to podcasts. I had no idea what these were, but I thought I'd check it out. And I forget how I really understood what podcasts were, but I simply searched for tech shows. And I found This Week in Tech, Jesus Geek. At some point, I also found Grammar Girl because that seemed to look really interesting, uh, seemed to look really interesting. And I would listen to the podcast actually through my laptop computer in the passenger seat of my car while I'm commuting back and forth to work because I didn't have an MP3 player. Uh, I didn't have the iPhone didn't exist then. So that was my method for listening. And at some point I realized I can do this. I know how to edit audio. I know I know how to present. I've been a public speaker since I was a teenager. Uh, I know how to make a website. I can probably figure out this RSS thing. <laughs> so I decided to launch a podcast, a clean comedy podcast, sharing life uh, stories from my life as a bachelor. And I knew I wanted ramen noodles as part of that branding. And at some point it just hit me. Why don't I simply be the ramen noodle? <laughs> and because you laugh at that, that's exactly why I still keep that branding is because right. everyone still thinks, oh, that's a brilliant name. As much as I'd like to switch away from that branding, it, I, I think it just it still gets that great emotional response. Nice. Yes. <laughs> and at some point in time, you said, all right, I've got one show. I've got two shows. Let's build eight or nine shows. Tell us a little bit about the transformation here. Yeah, in 2010, I had launched at that point only two podcasts, The Ramen Noodle and Are You Just Watching? And I was about to launch my third podcast, even though I felt the space was already populated, overpopulated with content about how to podcast. 
with the other two podcasts about podcasting that existed at that time. Now there are like 20 or 30 podcasts about podcasting, but uh, I felt like I had something to say in the space. So I was launching that new podcast. And at the same time, I saw podcast networks like Twit and Revision 3 and uh, GSPN and other things. I thought, I want to start a podcast network too, but it's not going to be the Daniel J. Lewis podcast network. It's going to be something else where I can find other independent podcasters uh, with quality content, quality production, and we can work together to help each other succeed and uh, maybe monetize this in certain ways. So that's when I came up with the idea of Noodle Mix Network. Noodle doesn't only mean the thing that you eat, but it's also like your brain or to to noodle something means to mull over it in your brain. And uh, that fit really well with the branding of the kind of shows I wanted to have on the network, as well as it fit with my flagship podcast, The Ramen Noodle, which just returned for season. I don't know what season number we're on now, but we just <laughs> recorded episode 201 last night after an eight month or so hiatus. That's awesome. But, uh, and it's taken a few years, but now we're to that point that I think the network is growing. Uh, several of the shows on the network are monetizing. We're having a great community within our network and crossover. And we get people who listen to one podcast and hear us talk about our TV show fan podcast, like for once upon a time, we've had people who listen to our shows start watching a TV show simply because they wanted to listen to our podcast about it and get more content from us. That's amazing. <laughs> I love the story. And it's interesting. And we said this earlier, Jeff, everybody has their own way to get in here. They always have their own gateway drug. And <laughs> Um, Daniel, let me ask you when, when you're, you know, driving someplace and I know you're moving out, you're moving out to the desert soon, right? Uh, actually, no, we've changed those plans and decided to stay in the Cincinnati area. Oh, wow. Okay. So let me change it around. What shows do you listen to when you're on a long drive? Well, I'm listening to podcasts whenever I can, because I really like the content and I, I have a lot of trouble keeping up with my podcast, even though now I use Overcast and I listen at 2.25x with smart speed enabled. So that means I'm sometimes listening at up to 3.9x or 3.09x is what I've seen it go as high as. Um, but I consume content really quickly. And it's I'm still down to the core shows that I'm the most interested in. So it's a few of the other podcasts about podcasting, like School of Podcasting, uh, Podcasters Studio, um, uh, the 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 one from uh, Copy Blogger, or now their Rainmaker FM, um, the sh- Showrunner. Uh, I-, I listen to Cliff Ravenscraft Podcast Answer Man. You know most of the other top podcasts about podcasting, Profitcast also, and then I listen to um, some more business focused podcasts like Smart Passive Income, Ask Pat, uh, the Ray Edwards Show, uh, sometimes the Michael Hyatt Show. Um, uh, the um, conversion cast from lead pages, uh, grammar girl, um, the productive woman beyond the to-do list. Uh, also, I mm-hmm. listen to some marriage podcasts or marriage focused episodes of podcasts, like from uh, focus on the family. I, I only listen to their marriage focused things. Everything else mm-hmm. I, I delete uh, just because I, I'm trying to get to the core content. Um, sexy marriage radio, um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting listening to your list here because it's, I mean, and yes, I know you listen to the shows about podcasting, but it seems like your favorite shows are the ones that are outside of your 
podcasting topic. Am I getting that right? You know, I, people ask me, what are your favorite shows or what are your top favorite shows? I can't answer that really because I've got it honed down to my favorite shows. If I had mm-hmm. to pick a favorite show, this one's coming out of complete left field. Um, I would say my, if I could only listen to one podcast, that would probably be that story show or formerly nobody's listening from James Kennison. It's a clean comedy podcast and it, it makes me laugh. I save that podcast for listening while I'm mowing the lawn or while I'm shoveling snow, which are my most hated tasks. But I now kind of look forward to them because that's the only time I let myself listen to that podcast that makes me laugh. Unlike any others. Nice. Want to bring on another guest to the show and, you know, talking to Daniel about, Shows that we listen to that might be outside of our realm. I got to tell you, one of the guys that got me started in video podcasting, one of the guys that got me started in really broadcasting and really helped me out, I want to bring on Mr. Andrew Zarian. How are you today? Hey, guys. Happy uh, International Podcasting Day. Happy International Podcasting Day. How, how is uh, Queens, New York? Are you still in Pope fever? Are you no, uh, no, post pope right pope now? The pope is gone. Uh, things are back to normal here. Uh, it's an awful day here. It's just miserable. It's raining. It's muggy. Uh, there's no way I'm going in the studio because it's way too hot. So uh, this is my mobile podcasting setup. <laughs> here, here is a, this is a $5 Radio Shack adapter going in via USB to an SM7. <laughs> Andrew, I'm glad that you were able to get on here because I wanted to ask you a few questions about what you do and how you do it. There's there's people that are listening to this that do audio podcasts. There's people that listen to this that do you know Google Hangouts on air, that people that do Skype Hangouts. You and also another guy who was very influential in TeacherCast, Stephen Haywood, you introduced me to the term internet broadcasting. What is is there a difference between up oh, he he left Oh, there you are. Is there a difference between podcasting, internet broadcasting, doing a video hangout? Because you, Steve, guys like that, that I'm looking to honestly emulate, you've built a studio. You've put all of this time into that. What is the difference between a podcast, a broadcast, internet broadcasting? I mean, you stream your stuff 24-7. I do, yeah, I do. Um, what know, is different about what you do? How does it work? I, you know, at the end of the day, it's the same thing, right? We're, we're, we're all creating content. We're talking in front of a microphone. Um, I, I kind of like to distinguish the difference between, you know, a broadcast, or a, a tr- like a traditional radio-style content, or uh, something that's not a radio show, which could still be a podcast. You know, um, you know we, we've seen a lot of story-based podcasts come out over the last you know year or two it's become really popular are those necessarily traditional based radio shows you know uh, uh you know content that we traditionally hear on a morning show or a sports broadcast no it's not it's very different uh but you know i think at the end of the day it's all the same i i like the term internet broadcast i think what i do is similar to you know uh traditional radio content uh that's why i like to use the term broadcast for it but at the end of the day we're all doing the same thing and you're doing a podcast. I'm doing a podcast. You're doing an internet broadcast. I'm doing an internet broadcast. Um, the difference, I guess, would be live. You know, uh, some people like to do live. Some people like to do video. But I don't know. At the end of the day, it's all the same. So, uh, how did you get started? How, how did the uh, the GFQ network get started? I got fired from my job, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I was I was sitting at home. I have no background in broadcasting. I I had a business in Long Island. I had sold my business, and I took a really good job and. 
eight months later, they they laid off everybody. So I essentially got bored from sitting at home because I was fired. And uh, one of my buddies, he's a he's a, uh, a stand up comic here in New York. And he's like, oh, do you want to do something? I, it's this thing called a podcast. Uh, we'll just, you know, talk a little bit. And we'll, you know, I'll make jokes and you could just provide me with the space because he was living in like a tenement in Manhattan. I mean, the thing was just like a rundown apartment. So we started doing that in my house. And from there, uh, you know, it, it it grew from there. We, we were lucky because we started doing it live on uh, Stick'em. And we picked up a tremendous audience there because they would feature us on the front page. So, I mean, we were awful. The show sucked, but we were still getting eyeballs. So from there, it just, it just moved on. That's awesome. And, and it, 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 I mean, Jeff, these stories that we're hearing from, from people in this community and from educators, it's, it does kind of stem down to, I was bored. I wanted to try something. I thought, can I do this? Right. I mean, that's the same thing with my story was I was working with a guy podcasting and he's like, why don't you try this? And I'm like, okay, fine. And then, you know, two years later, I I get invited into a Google Hangout and there's Steven and Andrew and Mike Phillips. And they're just like, give this wirecasting a try. And I'm like, okay, fine. And the rest for for teacher cast has been a wild ride with all of this stuff. I'll take Um, the last couple of years, though. The last couple of years has been uh, phenomenal for for podcasters, because when I started, there was very little information out there. The guys like Daniel, um, you know, didn't really exist in the early days. So you kind of have to put everything together and you have to learn it on your own. Uh, and everybody made a lot of mistakes picking it up and learning. Nowadays, it, it's very different. Uh, you know, there's great information, great resources every turn, every corner. I could, I could message Jeff. I can message, you know, anybody right now and, and ask for advice. And the odds are I'm going to get something positive out of it. Uh, that did not exist. And that, that's what's really changed over the last couple of years. Just good information. What advice do you have, Andrew, for guests because i you know look I, and, and you know this I, I i'm a big follower of matt men um what advice do you have for a podcaster that wants to reach out there for those celebrities to bring them onto their show um i personally am i i i guess because i feel like it derails my content i i stay away from a lot of guests but when we do have guests i, I do recommend having a really good pitch email um come off don't come off really you know formal just just be friendly and and just send an email and say listen this is what we do we would love to feature you i have a really good opening email that was provided to me by one of my friends that's in marketing so i've used that email and i and i kind of modified i use it for average potential advertisers i use it for guests i use it for cross promotion stuff i've always used this one formula and it works really well for me um just have a really strong introductory email where you're going to you're going to get the eyeballs, you know, you're going to get the attention. It really comes down to if you receive that email, would you be interested? Would right. it does it sound spammy? And I'll give you a great example. We had an advertiser a couple of years ago and they wanted to give me money. They wanted to advertise with me. I deleted the email 3 times <laughs> because it came off so spammy. It, it there was nothing genuine about the email. It was just cut and paste. Uh, there was nothing. It was just like insert person's name here, insert your name here. And that, and that was it. And they finally asked me to go, we, you know, we were trying to get in touch with you for like six months. What happened? I go, your email seemed like it was spam. It didn't, it didn't click. It just, I honestly thought, I, I mean, I would have put money on it that it was a spam email. Uh, so your introduction to the person really matters. At the end of the day, they're giving it 30 seconds. They're going to skim over this thing and then they'll reread it. 
Mm-hmm. Just figure That's out great. a good email. Yeah, and so I guess my follow-up to that is you can write a great email. How do you choose who you're bringing on your show? If you're selective as to when you bring on guests, what makes you bring on a guest? So with, with the wrestling show that we have on the network, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we don't, we don't reach out to the WWE because they're too big and they're not going to do our show. Uh, they're also really strict on you know, what kind of shows they put it on. But if certain things are happening with other organizations, uh, pay-per-views coming up, uh, you know, major events, uh, someone wins a title, they're, they're in the media. Those are the people that we contact them. Nine times out of 10, we'll get them because they have something to promote. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, these guys, everybody's busy. Everybody's doing something. And at the end of the day, someone wants to gain something out of coming and doing your show. You yeah. could reach a point where they really like you and you become friends and they'll do it regardless. But <laughs> everybody wants something out of it. So, uh, you know, you got to reach out the right time. If there's a, you know, you want to interview an author, make sure that he's promoting his book. You know, if you, you want to get an actor on to make sure there's something happening in their lives, they have a movie, they have a TV show. So you, it's all strategy. It's all strategic on the timing. Yeah. No, that's really good. Good stuff. That's what, why I just what's like your strategy, Jeff? Well, that's what that's I was right? <laughs> kind of funny. I was just going to ask you that too. I, I mean, you typically have a lot of, um, companies onto your show to talk about either apps that they're developing or products that they're bringing on for educators. What's, what's your strategy to find those people and get in touch with them and want them to come on? <laughs> Jeff, are you asking me? Oh, I am, um, yes. I, I, sorry. Um, honestly, I, I find Twitter is a great way to, to handle things. Um, I'm also on a lot of PR lists. So I get, you know, every day I get a couple of people sending me emails from different PR firms that says, Hey, so-and-so is launching this. I just respond to them. Like Andrew says, I have a little form email that's, that is personal, that works. And at this point of being four years into it, many of these PR companies I have a great relationship with. Mm-hmm. So more often than not, I'll get the, the form email that they send out across the world. And then I'll get on top. It says, Hey Jeff, would you want these guys for your show? So that way I know personally who I'm working with. And it, yeah, it's a form letter. I get all the details about it. But then we also have that human connection that we have. Well, Jeff, so I, I work on the head here uh, with that. And, and you said something. It's it's, it's having a good relationship um, mm-hmm. and, you know, monetizing that 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 comes in really strong, uh, getting guests, knowing the right PR, getting review units. If somebody likes you at the company mm-hmm. and, and they yeah. trust you and, and, you know, you just build a connection. That's your gateway. That's your way in. And you're absolutely right. Having a good relationship with the PR or the sales team is what will get you in the door. Yeah, and I think another component I, I know too. In, in, in schools, Jeff, we say, you know, who are the two people in every school building you need to absolutely make friends with and make sure that the flowers are on their desk? Right, the secretaries and the custodians. And the custodians. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in our world, you don't make friends with the CEOs. You make friends with the PR agents who happen to know 35 C- CEOs. And so that's why I'm always back and forth with how you doing. Do you have anybody? What do you need? Um, you know, uh, I, right now I'm sending out, you know, teacher cast is going to be down a little bit because I'm moving. But when I come back, it's going to be awesome. And please set yourself up. Making friends with those people are fantastic. And you find that stuff by going to conferences. And, you know, I sign up for a lot of these media passes, even if I'm not going to conferences, I'll sign up for a media pass. Just that way I can get on people's mailing list. And do I get a lot of email? Yes. Um, a great way to do that if anybody has a Gmail account is there's a, there's a, this is a thing that you can find on TeacherCast, but like I'm TeacherCast at Gmail, but I can do teacher.k. 
podcast at Gmail, and it literally acts as a second email address. In fact, anybody that has a Gmail account, you can put a dot anywhere in your in your email address, and it'll act as a second address for you. So any of my PR contacts go to teacher.cast at gmail.com, and so I filter that into a special mailbox. And that's just a little trick I picked up from one of our co-hosts, Sam Patterson, and I've got a video for it on teachercast.net. But being able to take all that stuff that comes in that is junk mail, but potentially can be used for guests, sponsorships, uh, products, you name it, that's a very valuable thing to have coming into you rather than you going to go find it. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And another component, Jeff, is you talked about conferences a little bit. I really enjoy going down on the expo floor and at least making mm-hmm. those contacts. You get some email addresses, you'd be able to have some face-to-face conversation, try and make it a little bit more personal, and then mm-hmm. not necessarily approach them about the idea. Maybe you can float it at the conference, but I found that if I email those people then later after the conference is over and say, hey, great meeting you at the expo hall. It was really fun talking about blah, blah, blah. Hey, would you be interested in coming on the show to talk about your new product and a lot of times they're like hey yeah great to hear from you again you know it's that starting it off with more of a friendly communication than you know immediately asking them for something so i think that that's really worked too andrew can you comment on that i know being in new york city you've got comic-con you've got wrestling fest you've got all these different things do you go to those events and say hey i'm andrew from Mattman? do you go and say i'm a podcaster or do you just go to make friends or what's your philosophy when you do these things I do occasionally, and I absolutely hate it. <laughs> I hate going to them. Uh, every time I go, I, I get sick for like three weeks afterwards. So uh, I do it less and less. Um, I, I'll probably this year. I'm probably going to attend. You know the 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 podcast movement coming up next year and uh, New Media Expo. I'll probably attend those. I did do NAB last year. Uh, it, it's occasionally I'll, I'll go to them. Um, I just get I get so sick every time where it puts me down for like almost a month. So I stopped attending hmm. a lot of them. Hmm. Um, and I'm a, I'm a total germaphobe on top of it. So it's not, it's not fun for me. But aren't you the one that also does, uh, you, you do what MMA sometimes I see some, pictures. I do. Yeah, I do. So I'm rolling around on a filthy mat too. So go figure, you know, um, I know that, I know that Nick wants to come in, so I'm going to step out for yeah. a little bit. And listen. Thanks so much. Uh, keep up the great work and you know, love, love listening to Matt, man. If you guys are not listening to GFQ, definitely check them out. Thanks guys. Uh, I'll be, I'll be listening in the chat. What's up, Andrew? Awesome. Nice talking to you. Jeff, before we bring Nick in here, I just want to say thank you so much for your time. I know you're starting a new position. By the way, how is your new position as a principal in a school? Hey, it's been awesome. It's been an interesting roller coaster, but really enjoying basically every day. It's fun to come to work, and that's what it's all about. So I guess what we can kind of uh, accumulate here is that podcasting is running wild, brother. Sorry, Matt Men reference. Um, but, you know, it's, it's easy for educators to get into podcasting. It's easy for classes to get into podcasting. It's easy for us to connect through podcasting. It can be free. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my advice to anybody is just go out, start listening, start lurking, and just figure out. If you want to listen to shows, there's a lot of them out there. If you want to create shows, go for it. Um, Jeff, what's your, what's your closing advice and where can we go to find you on your networks? Yeah, I think you nailed it pretty well there, Jeff. It's get involved and don't be afraid to try something out. I know we've been sitting here for the past hour saying it's easy and you can do it. You have a you have a podcasting tool probably in your pocket or in your hand right now, and I think that that is a really revolutionary idea that anyone can podcast 
And if you're willing to kind of heed the advice of some of the people that have been doing it for a long time, you know, Daniel is awesome. And then you have Steve Jackson or Dave Jackson, sorry. And uh, I think that there's so many resources out there that if you're interested in doing it, you got to just try it out. You're going to constantly improve and you're always going to change your show because you want it to get better. And so you can't be afraid to just start off and get going. So yeah, Jeff, thanks for that awesome tip and uh, you can find me at instructionaltechtalk.com or on twitter at jeff herb jeff where can we find you you can of course find me online at teachercast.net for all of your educational podcasts blogs online courses google needs all that great stuff Um, i'm going to sign out here before handing it over to nick as saying something that we say on all of our shows which is keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions on your podcasts nick how are you today What's happening, Jeffs? Happy podcast day. Thank it's you. Jeff you too. squared hour. Um, right. squared. Nick, this has been absolutely fantastic. We've been watching the tweets go by. We've been watching the blabs go by. Um, International podcast day is alive and well. And anybody out there who has sponsored, created, put this together, let's just give them a big round of applause. That's they right. are doing an amazing job on here. Absolutely. And I'll tell you one thing. Um, I have a bunch of fifth graders that are loving what's going on right now and are interested in learning how to create this. So I'm going to jump off and I'm going to go help create podcasting in my classroom. Wow, Nick, somebody loves you. Look at all those little, <laughs> all those little pictures here. Awesome. One last, oh, before I leave, one last shout out. Tonight at 8.30, and perhaps we'll put this in the chat. Tonight at 8.30, there's going to be a special uh, hashtag podcast PD chat. So if you are an educator or a podcast, our good friend and co-host uh, Chris Nessie and his crew are going to be doing a special uh, blab tonight and also um, going to be continuing the educational chat. So um, check all that stuff out. Check out House of EdTech. Check out TeacherCast and check out Jeff, what's your site again? <laughs> Instructional Tech Talk. <laughs> Nick, I'll hand it off. Thank you guys so much and uh, to the International Podcasting crew, thank you for having us on today.